welcome to this episode of The Art and Design of Sci-Fi and Fantasy, Mystery and Horror. In today's episode, I look at the latest episode of The Orville. I analyze it scene by scene, pretty much, uh, Season 2, Episode 1. I'm still going to have podcast episodes where I interview authors, but I'm also going to be mixing podcast episodes um, just about me discussing um, sci-fi, fantasy, mystery, and horror. And also uh, Disney stuff as well, which I include under fantasy, basically. All right. Thank you and enjoy. For anyone who just joined me on my podcast, uh, today I'll be uh, reviewing the Orville second season, first episode, scene by scene. I'll do the first half hour or so this time around. And I've just started with um, an item opening, a box, well, more like a uh, whatever opening of the Orville first season on DVD. Just cut it open. Got it delivered by Amazon. Let's see what we got here. Oh, nice. Standard DVD. Looks good. New season coming soon on Fox. I guess I will open this up now. Here we go. Standard plastic on the item. I will be using this to analyze the um, first season of the world. This thing is pretty sticky. It does not want to come off. Get rid of that later. Okay. I think this is ready to open. See what we got here. First look. Oh, nice. This is kind of loose. Cosmos. Award winning Cosmos. I think Seth MacFarlane worked on this. I'm pretty sure he did, which is probably why they're advertising it here. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's just a one, a one pager thing. Just put that back. They have a special little holder for this, just one little ad. So, we got one disc, two discs, I won't take it out, you know what discs look like on the back. Three discs, four discs. Pretty nice art. There you go. I wonder if it has extras. It has a complete first season special features, um, Q&A with cast and creative team, from Pallyfest 2018, Inside Look, directed by First Six Missions, Designing the Future, Orville Takes Flight, Science of the Orville, Quantum Drive and Alien Life, Crafting Aliens, and A Better Tomorrow. And there's a number if I have questions. <laughs> what kind of questions? I have lots of questions about the Orville, but I don't think that's what this is for. All right, so if anyone wants to buy this, not from me, I mean from Amazon, it's pretty good looking, and four nice CDs, DVDs. All right, so that's the book, the box open. Fun. All right, let's get on to the Orville. And for this, just so I'm not playing the sound and possibly violating some kind of copyright by playing music, I'm going to be wearing 
these for a time. Actually, I'm going to let you hear the first few notes of the first episode because I think it's pretty cool. It um, has a good feel. So, you see the Orville coming in. A very nice ship. I love how they designed this. Um, oops. I did not take out my... Let me try that again. There you go. I think it's pretty cool. I like uh, the musical feel of the series is cool, and uh, they're continuing that with this uh, second season. Um, little piano piece, I think, sets the tone for the rest of the episode about romance and broken hearts and, and that sort of thing. So, let's continue on as the Orville flies through space. Interesting, they had a empty background. Um, um, I would have thought they might have put a little mo bit more there, but I'm not sure what their um, artistic uh, designer, their production designer was thinking there. Um, it looked good. So the scene opens, you know, they sweep into a uh, kind of a functional looking place with splashes of color. The liquor is, um, you know, you have oranges, blues, reds, uh, has a very Star Trek The Next Generation feel, which I think is what they were going for. And uh, we sweep into the, the captain talking about the, uh, the little phonograph he has. Uh, and again, like Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Treks in general, they always sort of harken back to, even though they're centuries ahead, it seems like uh, the culture they always reach back to, of course, is ours, the viewers. So, because um, we connect with that. That's how they bridge the gap uh, between the centuries. Um, every now and then you you see you know, future, I keep say, keep referencing Star Trek, but come on, everyone knows this is sort of a, um, I don't want to say a copy, it's a, a look at a similar universe as Star Trek. Um, and my guess is there's always a possibility with multiple universes, Star Trek and the Orville could always cross paths in some way. I'm sure people are talking about it, speculating, whatnot, um, but that's for the big corporate, uh, owners corporate bosses to decide if they want to do. So we have the, the bar scene with um, Ed sitting, drinking, being sad for himself, being served by an alien bartender, which is pretty cool. Um, I've noticed that the, uh, the prosthetics that they use, I like I like the design, the colors, the shapes, um, but the uh, alien heads don't quite ever move Muscle, their muscle movements are stiff. They're, they're more like masks than, uh, actual, uh, latex against the skin. Um, that's okay with me. Um, I'm curious if it's a budget thing or if they, uh, they just kind of like it that way. They're, they're trying to, of course, you have everyone one way. You don't want some movement moving well and some looking, uh, stiff. I guess you have it all pretty, uh, you have it the same across the board for all the aliens, so that makes sense. So you, that's not jarring. So uh, maybe that's the reason. It's easier to just have everyone one way. Um, so then uh, there's Ed talking to the bartender. Uh, kind of standard 21st century bar talk. 
Um, hello, Jab at Ed. <laughs> the jokes are pretty good. It's a funny show. And very human. It's, uh, despite the, the sci-fi and sitcom part, there's, there's just good, uh, old-fashioned characters that you just like to listen to and, and observe. Um, Alara shows up. Um, I'm going to pause for a second. It's kind of interesting that I, I've read people talking about her like, oh, she can't act, she, you know, whatever, that she might be leaving the show. I don't know. I don't even, it's rumors, but I think she's a believable character. Um, she, she represents someone who's young, new at a job, uh, maybe younger than she should be for the job, which happens in real life. So, um, and she has doubts and insecurities, but tries to be positive and, and show a secure fit, you know, a, a secure persona to everyone. Um, let's see. So I like her as a character. She's believable. Um, so yeah, I like, uh, I like when she shows up and, and starts talking. Oh, you might've caught a bit of a dialogue there. <laughs> the bartender is funny and, uh, in his response to her, um, the colors of the uniforms are pretty cool. Very strong red and sort of aqua, blue aqua. Um, Now, Lara's prosthetics, since it's not a whole mask, um, she looks natural because it's uh, easy to put on and isn't really over most of her face. So, yeah, people in the background doing normal bar recreation kind of activities, um, it feels like a living ship. The trees, the veget, uh, the trees in the back, sort of the tree shrub things are pretty cool. They add a, a nice element to the, uh, to the recreation room. Bordis showed up. Um, I like how he's sort of a, you know, the stiff sort of, he, he's sort of a mixture between Spock and Worf. He's, he's, he's kind of, uh, logical and, uh, blunt. Uh, but he has also that toughness of the Klingons. So he's, he's a really interesting character. He serves that, I guess, that purpose of, of that role that those two served in, in the, uh, different Star Trek shows. Of course, he asked to, uh, change course. He wants to go to his home planet. So it's... <laughs> the captain references the baby thing. It's interesting that uh, early in this season, too, we have a, a Bordis Mockless uh, storyline starting up. Um, I wonder if that's a thing they planned on, that uh, Bordis's world is... is or his, his life in society is something people want to explore. Because um, they didn't do that with Isaac... They just reference the uh, the planet he's from. The other characters, the human characters, they're from Earth, so 
we're not really, we're more interested in the characters, but we know what Earth is like, so we don't need to learn more about it. So, so maybe it's natural that they open up each season with Bordis and Machlis, uh, the planet Machlis or the system, um, talking about it. an alien world people are interested in, in learning more about. So he has to change course. And so he talks about urinating once per year and uh, his special ceremony, his year ceremony. Again, I think this is a... Uh, I'll let the, uh, the credits run. I love the, the, um, the opening. You might hear the music in the background. Um, so what was I saying about... Uh, what was I saying? I was talking about, uh, oh yeah, so the urination thing, some people might treat it as a uh, sort of bathroom humor, you know, they accuse Seth MacFarlane in the show, there's too much like juvenile bathroom humor, that sort of thing, and on the surface, it seems like, uh, I'll just add with the title sequence, I was trying to see if there was anything new from last season, I'll have to look closely, it looks the same but I wonder if they added a, a something special to differentiate from season one just for fans who were looking for that sort of thing. So, um, where was I? So, so the urination thing on the surface, it seems just kind of like a silly little, you know, funny, haha, we're going to make fun of Boris and this and that and, and amuse young fans. But thinking about it, you know, all these science fiction shows and movies, they look at, you know, what if we come across something strange and unusual we don't understand from another culture? How do we deal with it? How do we accept it? This sort of thing. So that's all cool. But, you know, I don't think I've seen something where, you know, maybe there are comedy sitcoms. I don't know. Red Dwarf maybe did it or something. I, I wonder if Hitchhikers has done it. Um, but basically, what if you come across something that just grosses you out. You find funny and gross and, and, um, you know, how do you approach that? So, so this simple bathroom humor joke actually opens the way to further discussion about how you deal with alien cultures who just do things weird. Um, I think a lot of the humor in the Orville actually does that. You know, some of them are just jokes between people to establish characters and, and banter and that sort of thing. But I think a lot of the humor also actually deals with cultures and technology like really what what changes might they cause and not like the scary changes but more like the the cute or unusual or awkward changes they might cause so that i like that part of the oracle so as far as this just this uh urination ceremony that uh Boris has to do is funny but it also makes you stop and think you know like in in our culture you know what are our you have to look at our societal our social rules that we don't like to cross, you know, and, um, you know, what if there was a culture that, you know, we come across an alien species in the future that, you know, just urinates and defecates wherever it wants, you know, and, and you're just, are you going to be grossed out? You know, if that's their way. What do you do? Um, I think even in, uh, in our world, you know, some people, they keep the, uh, when a baby is born, they keep the placenta. And I think maybe some, some cultures, they eat it. And, you know, people, other people, 
you know, maybe here in the U.S. or whatever would say, oh, my goodness, that's disgusting. Oh, how could anyone do that? And, um, you know, in fact, it might even be a joke to some people. And, and to me, that's, I'm not comparing that with a urination ceremony, but the point being that, um, you know, what if people do stuff that's natural for them and part of their culture that just grosses you out and you don't know how to deal with it? So, you know, the question is, you know, as the episode goes on, they're going to be sort of joking about it and trying to accept it and trying to be cool about it. There's going to be humor involved, but it's also humor maybe is better than fighting or arguing or getting into some weird situation that's more tense. So... So, yeah, I think that's pretty fascinating. So, I'm going to continue on. All right. So, Jaloja is the name of the episode. And the, uh, why is this not? Oh, I turned down the sound. So, now they are in their conference room. You know, the humor with the Jaloja ceremony. Why is there a, uh, it's interesting. They have like a little plant in the back that looks like a, a bed of multicolored lettuce. So that's interesting. Um, conference room again is cool, sleek, functional. I like the colors, a lot of blues. So it's a mixture of blues. They have a lot of blues in the hallway lighting and the, um, the exterior windows and then the green of the plants that they spread around are pretty bright green. They, they add a lot of color and then the uniforms very bar- bright blue and, and red and that sort of thing. So it's a nice, the color palette in this show is pretty cool. And, um, actually what I was saying about the, uh, prosthetics, uh, Boris is, is a little bit stiff, but I guess since they cover less of his face, it can show more more facial movements. Um, so I'll have to look more closely at his makeup and, and prosthetics, uh, and see what I think about that. Um, all right. Continuing on. Oh, they have a cool picture of some spaceship. What spaceship is that in the background? The, uh, so, the great release. So everyone's listening attentively while he, while he describes a very, a very formal urination. Interesting that it's a New Year episode, and he talks about a new cleansing. <laughs> Boris, Boris ignores um. Uh, the little joke from, um, why am I forgetting the character's name? Uh, the Navigator. Dang it. Obviously, I know the character. I love him, but his name escapes me at the moment. All right. <laughs> and so, of course, they, um, it's, I, I love the writing because, well, it's a sign of good writing that all these different storylines cross over each other and, um, and, uh, intersect and complement each other. You know, you have, uh, the ceremony, but, uh, boards this planet, 
um, is on the way of some other mission they're running, so that all dovetails nicely. That's uh coincidence, but, you know, it's for dramatic purposes. But that works. Um, they're picking up a dark matter expert. Um, so you wonder, as soon as you hear that, how is this person going to affect the storyline? How, how is this person going to come in, or alien, or whatever? How are they going to come in and change what is going on? This, the crux of the story seems to be this Jaloja, um, but it did start with uh, sort of uh, the bar loneliness of, of the captain and the insecurities of Alara and the insecurity of the captain. So it's still I'm still unclear at this point. I've seen the whole episode, so I know what happens. But at this point, uh, having seen it when the first time uh, I saw it, it's uh, the question is where where is this going? It's interesting. Everyone's interesting, but where is the episode going? Um, and we have this dark matter expert uh, coming on board. So how many different twists are there going to be? Is she going to affect the ceremony or affect the uh, the romance things going on? And uh, and then there's the thing about everyone have to, having to bring a date to this Jaloja. So there is another third storyline. There's the ceremony, the dark matter expert, uh, the dates. Um, so, yeah, so we have three interesting storylines going on at this point. And then the captain makes a bad, unfortunate joke. Uh It's, it's, so a few jokes back and forth that ends the meeting and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool how they do it. Amusing, serious, real, it feels realistic to sense how people behave. Another cool shot with a ship in empty space. Always love that. Uh, oh, I just noticed that, uh, you have some stars are static and some are shooting by. I'm curious if there's a scientific, um, basis for that or if it's just kind of a cool art thing they decided to do um you don't want to hit one of those seems like uh it'd be dangerous so again we have uh, a lot of blues coming in from the exterior so um kelly comes in to talk about to talk to ed about something she needs to talk about and obviously he makes the the guy mistake of thinking she wants to get back together and uh of course she doesn't he uh he plays he's playing the romantic nostalgic guy and she's the more um serious and and logical rational person and uh the romantic tension here is a good addition to the story um it adds an interesting element to the show, an important one. I think it's necessary. Um, so, just wanted to make sure there's not too much sound. I'm trying to hide it with my headphones. Um, so, they have an argument about... He has some cool books in the back. For a computerized society, he has a nice um, old-fashioned low library. Um, oh, and he has, oh, awesome. I just caught a little egg, Easter egg. So when they first announced the name of the show, I was a little unsure about that, the Orville. It seemed, uh, 
seemed like an odd name. But then I realized it's Orville and Wilbur Wright, you know, the, you know, their arguments if they were the first people to, to fly a, a plane. There's some aficionados who will argue that there was, I forget, someone else maybe had the first flight, but uh, it's pretty much accepted that it was them. Uh, I gotta check my camera real quick. Alright, that's almost done. I'm going to stop it and start it again. Alright. Sorry while I did that. Alright, I'm only going to go to 15 minutes at a time. I don't think I can do a full half hour. Um, so I'm halfway. So, so yeah, so anyway, in this Easter egg, so I realized, you know, and then Isaac, is it, um, Isaac Newton or Isaac Asimov, that character? Um, yeah. So, Anyway, on his desk, on the captain's desk, is a little replica of what I believe is that first plane that Orville and Wilbur Wright flew. So I think that's a little Easter egg. Um, I don't know. I don't recall in the show if they discussed during the series that the Orville is named, in the show, is named after the Orville and Wilbur Wright. And maybe that, uh, that wooden model of the plane or whatever material it is looks wooden. Um, is an official ship thing, or if it's just something that the captain has, a personal item that he has because of that connection. So that's curious. I'm curious if we're going to find that out in the future. Um, so, so Kelly actually brings up a really interesting hypothetical about their relationship and actually uh, addresses issues of fraternization in military groups. You know, can a senior officer make a good uh, decision when they have to send their friend or someone they care about deeply into danger? Um, so they actually have a good back and forth about what's right. And they both actually, that's another thing the show does, is it often um, takes two sides of, um, of uh, an interesting argument. You know, she brings up a good point about love, you know, like circumstances matter. Ed takes the nostalgic view that love is love and transcends that. So they both have an interesting point and they don't come to conclusion. Um, so there's a model of the Orville behind him and the wooden one and Kermit the Frog. So I like his office. So they come out of uh, their warp drive or, you know what, I forget what they call it in the show. So they have a pretty cool... I like how they dock with ships. They go back in, back into it. Um, it seems pretty uh, realistic. I like that. They have a good amount of what I think is, you know, scientific realism, engineering realism, that sort of thing. Um, I like the little force shield that they go through when they dock. Presumably keeps in the atmosphere and pressure and all that stuff. Um, so the dark matter expert is, you know, Sona, who is attractive. Obviously, she's going to create some kind of uh, something. Actually, I don't know if they're gonna, if she's gonna get involved in the relationship storylines. But um, she seems like someone who is cool with the captain. He, he, um. 
he seems pretty uh neutral about her and uh and then uh she comes on the bridge and uh and so she sits down next to um you know what I'm gonna where am I Gordon Malloy why did I forget his name but he gets all silly about um he's always obviously smitten with her and you see okay so she's getting into that storyline into the relationship one um the commander is in the background doing uh standard work stuff um she almost looks like she's on a cell phone maybe she's checking her text messages but she's there but not in the scene and um this <laughs> Gordon is uh, acting foolish as usual funny foolish interesting very charismatic but very insecure with himself which is funny um <laughs> he pretends like he's not hitting on her but he is and then you have uh, people working around you know it's interesting that there's no uh, door into the command section no sliding door or anything it's just kind of an open hallway which is nice it creates more space and then they segue to more piano music um, I don't know the name of the piece but uh is with Isaac and the doctor's kids again, which is cool. I like, uh, I like that whole sort of angle where you have a single mom trying to raise kids on a ship. So, and the two kids are pretty good actors. Um, their clothes are cool, kind of futuristic looking. Again, strong colors. Um, the, um, the design of the, of the shirt. Um, has some orange earth tones to it with the blue. Um, so the Isaac Doctor uh, thing is pretty cool. Oh. Marcus is um, wearing blue and green. Interesting mix of colors. Future looking. So is the kid James. Um, they're, they're acting like... Uh, young kids uh, being troublesome. It's an interesting in interchange. Um, so, so, sort of a modern day uh, family dynamic, dynamics, family tensions. Um, So it's pretty interesting. Even though it's not sci-fi, it's the future. They're dealing with the same kind of issues, and why not? Unless things totally change in our society, and uh, we're all robotic or um, lack emotion or whatever. But that might make for a very different show. So... She has more of a purple look in her, um, in her, um, apartment. It's interesting. And then Isaac starts, uh, starts, uh, the humor of him saying that, uh, 
the teenagers' problems are from some kind of virus or disease. That's kind of a funny, uh, funny exchange. So, then they go back to the jazz music. And he, a kiss is just a kiss, which is, again, such a nice tune. Um, and I like that they keep going back to that in this episode. Um, all right. I guess I'll be doing a third of the show. What's that? About um, 16 minutes. So just a little bit longer and I'll wrap up. I'll make it in thirds. How's that sound? Um, all right. So we got another scene of the Orville flying through space. And uh, we have the kids dark blue in some uh, quarters that aren't being used. They're hijacking a matter, a matter creator device. These teenagers acting like regular teenagers, so that's good for the teenage audience. Um, and uh, they have push buttons for uh, for their. Uh, So that scene of uh, the kids pushing buttons to create something, that's interesting. It's not voice controlled or anything else. It's still um, tactile. So that's just an interesting little... I guess that just makes it easier uh, to show action happening instead of people just sitting around saying command and stuff happens. So though I think that's in the future probably just things re will react to verbal... Um, verbal uh, instructions and whatnot. So, and they create a bottle of vodka, which is interesting that the bartender at the beginning said, I need to order shipment of, of liquor. Um, I wonder why he can't create it. And uh, maybe there are certain things the matter creator creation device can't create. Um, some things that are still special that need to be obtained uh, some other way, which makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that the matter... The thing that can create items can't create anything anytime. Uh, that would be just... Uh, that wouldn't make sense and would also make it way too powerful for, for the show. It could uh, ruin a lot of storylines or limit them. Anyway, so the kids uh, get their liquor and run off. So you have yet another storyline here. So you have the Jaloja. You have uh, the dates for this Jaloja. You have... Um, the romance, uh, actually it's sort of gone down into a couple storylines. You have all these romances trying to develop or, or whatever. Um, and then so from this scene we ship, we shift into Gordon in, uh, in the bar having a meal. He's talking about his, he's, uh, he's talking to Laura about, uh, this new, um, this new scientist that has come on board and he wants uh, secret information, probably a violation of the rules for Alara to tell him stuff from her files, but I guess he's digging anyway. All right. Um, so, so yeah. So Bordas joins, joins them. Um, he has an interesting little meal. Looks kind of tasty. Space meals look good. Um, the cartographer, that's what she does. <laughs> Just her, Alara, 
Gordon denying it and then Alara silently mouthing he does to Bordis is pretty funny. It's so quick, the scene, but it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just so amusing. Um, the poor guy is so nervous and doesn't know what to do. I think many, many of us have been there before, so that's why it makes it appealing to watch him struggle with this. And Bordis is just kind of interesting, has an interesting look as Gordon, uh, sputters out his problems. <laughs> they throw in a little joke about Jaloja. She suggests that John, uh, John helps him out. And so we shift to the scene with John, and that is where I'm going to stop and start another time. So, so far, um, a third of the way in, we have um, a lot of interesting conflicts to be resolved. Um, keeps you hooked as far as uh, what's going to happen, who's going to get what dates. Um, if they even get dates, maybe they're not going on dates. Um, so yeah, actually that seems to be the big conflict now. So as usual, the Orville has a very interesting storyline that doesn't involve, uh, violence or people having to die or anything, but it talks about, but it's already addressing, uh, different kind of culture, um, how people still have to deal with each other and their children and their peers and their ex-loves and their new loves, even in, uh, in a world of new technology, you know, you still have to deal with, uh, advanced technology. You still have to deal with the same old problems, uh, that have always existed. Again, maybe everything will change in the future and these problems will no longer exist, but, um, you know, it's science fiction. You look at the society you have and layer over new technology on top of that and, um, and see how it affects you. Any site, any science fiction that, um, has totally new, uh, sense of reality, I think is less popular among fans. There are certainly a lot of science fiction fans that like that sort of thing, but it's a smaller audience. It's uh, much more intellectual, uh, much more speculative. Um, but Hey, that, that works too. Um, but for a, a large audience, you want them to be able to connect with sort of a society. They understand more or less. I think the further you pull away from what people know, at least as far as human dynamics, uh, the fewer viewers you're going to have. So it just depends on, well, as a creator, you create what you want to create, but, uh, you have to acknowledge that, um, the interest will, will be different depending on the subject matter that you explore. All right. So that is my second Instagram live. And, um, that's, uh, all we'll do for now. All right. So see y'all later. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit chrisalvarez.com or theartofsciencefiction.com for more great interviews, photos, and articles. Your visits help support this podcast. Please remember that my first name, Chris, does not have an H in it. One of the best ways to provide feedback for this podcast is to rate me on iTunes. Please give me a good rating if you liked it, or feel free to give me a bad rating if you didn't. I'll use that feedback to make this a better podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram under Chris Alvarez Sci-Fi, on Facebook under Chris Alvarez 
WLC on YouTube under Chris Alvarez WLC and on Twitter under Chris Alvarez WLC. Thanks for listening and keep imagining the future.